Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Chris and Andy in studio. And uh, who would you bring with you this, this fine morning? Who is that lady, Mr. Prasky? Uh, Cindy? <laughs> I do. Cindy Colbo oh, with Title Smart is Thank here you. today. We're going to answer some title questions, get into that um, a little later. And uh, Mr. Prasky, yeah. you're the big hunter now? Yeah, I'm actually uh, calling in from Marshall, Minnesota as we speak. Really? From the deer stand. Wow. <laughs> so I can't talk too too yeah, loud okay. today. It's amazing. I, I know. The reception the is really quality. good really, really I'm online good. at the same time, by the way. That's great. You can do that virtually. See, the show wouldn't be the, the, the typical beginning if I didn't ask you individually how your week, in, besides hunting, your week in real estate uh, went. How did this past week go? For those that was working, that were well, I, I tell you what, I'll take that. I uh, I had a great week. We um, we, we talked about this. The things were slower, um, and and for whatever reason, again this week we really seemed to to feel a real nice uptick in the amount of people inquiring about properties, offers being accepted. Um, everybody on our teams, both of our teams, I think, had you know pretty steady accepted offer after accepted offer happening, which is. The sellers are becoming a little more reasonable. I think they had a couple of weeks of getting scared, and then now the offers are coming in that are fair. And so we're seeing a great balance between the two of them. And so the markets are working together, the buyers and the sellers, uh, at That's least good. now. Yeah, yeah, and it uh, we're making things happen again. And I think a hint of the holidays, when the, those start coming, people start, hey, I want to get in before the holidays. Mm-hmm. We've had a number of people this last week that uh, did it and close all want to get closed and in by Christmas. Right. And which is which is kind of interesting. Um because typically we see that action kind of the end of um, September into middle of October, mm-hmm. but now it's happening here end of October into November. Yeah, so yeah. which is good, which is good. We have to we have to do that. I thought today um, that we could kind of get into um, you know title is one thing that people mm-hmm. just don't quite understand. There's a lot of things uh, in the purchase agreement sure. that we end up signing that a lot of it happens behind the scenes and mm-hmm. that that that's covered. And that's what you know. Title companies and Title Smart and Cindy uh, do. One of the things that we see on the purchase agreement, which is new, is called FERTPA. 
and that's the that's the foreign investment. Uh, what is it all? I've got the disclosure in front of me. <laughs> Tax <laughs> Act. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. An, it's an IRS but it's, deal. But it, it, I mean, it's foreign investment in real estate property tax act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and basically what happens, we have to state whether the seller is or is not a foreign person. Right. And, and then so, we have to act on that based on certain criteria. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that just because they're here and they're from another country that that applies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but what is what dangers is it for the... A buyer if they are a foreign person. Well, all the liability goes against the buyer and they're responsible for remitting, which is really kind of crazy because they have no idea what's going on with that. So they're relying on the real estate professional and the title professional to address that. So the, the state put it into the purchase agreement so we could start catching it there. And then there's some other criteria as far as if the buyer is going to live in the property for how long. And what the price is, three hundred thousand is that? Yeah, so price there's point. a lot of stuff that's behind the scenes. But I mean, I always put on my purchase agreements. I mean, number one, it should be on their seller's disclosure statement. They mm-hmm. state whether or not it is or not. But I always put is not and make them change it. But then we rely on the title companies to be able to follow up on that, and make sure that we're not dealing with a foreign person. Well, and the whole purpose of it is it's the government wanting us to track and make sure that a foreign person is not going to sell the property and take all the funds and leave and go to another country. Correct. I mean, yeah. in a nutshell, in their terms. Well, right. you know, and we had this back in the in the REO days or the, the bank-owned property days. We had foreign investors coming in. We had group investors, you know, coming in. We had mutual fund investment, you know, coming in. And what they're trying to do is they're just trying to make sure that the appropriate amount of taxes are being paid and that the buyer should make sure that they're being paid to the tune of where they're, they don't want them to have a lien against their property for the amount that was um, obligated to be paid. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, just buyer, buyer beware, because it's really for the buyer, you know, in, in, in essence, I, the way I look at it is you're protecting your buyer. So if you're, if you're out there writing an offer on a property, your agent and your title company um, want to do a little more investigating now because you don't want to get stuck with a tax bill. Right. And sometimes I'll actually see that left blank on the purchase agreement. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working on the file, I have to call the agent and sometimes they'll say, well, I don't know. And I didn't feel comfortable asking that. And they wait for the seller to that. answer it. Right. And right. so then we'll have to call the seller and address it. And then, you know, just because they're here, let's say they're here from another country, been living here 20 years, working completely uh, settled and going to be here forever. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that that applies to them. It's, you know, if they're here, if they're a permanent resident and they have a green card, that it's just like as if they're a citizen. Well, or you think of it this way. Let's you're a foreign investor. You came into the States. You saw an opportunity to make money. You've held that property for so many years. You've rented it out. Now you sell that property. There's a tax liability there. There's capital gains to be paid. There's whatever. And you decide that, you know what? I'm not a citizen of the U.S. I'm just going to take my money and run. That's what they're trying to avoid. Right. Ultimately, and then, then they put it on the buyer. Correct. So And then the buyer trusts us to watch out for them and make sure that doesn't happen. You got it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, that's just one little checkbox on the purchase agreement that people don't realize that. I mean, there's so much more behind that and what liability they truly have. So I think that's uh, just an important thing for people to understand. Mm -hmm. Another one I think people get caught up with are assessments. Yes. You know, and and what are assessments and and how they can affect a buyer if uh, they're not caught or taken care of. So what do you guys do to catch that? Well, first of all, we're looking at the purchase agreement to see what the parties agreed to. And um, if there's work that's been done to the property recently, like, for instance, streetlights, 
you're in, you know, St. Paul proper, Minneapolis proper, they come in and they assess all the homes on a given street. Then that improves the property. Then you're selling the property. So when the buyer's purchasing it, do they want to assume that bill or do they want the seller to pay that? So, you know, part of that's on you guys. Make yeah, sure that's you're what we have to cover. Purchase agreement for your exactly. buyer or for your seller, whichever way you want that to roll. No, I know Andy assessments um, used to always be. Um, we'd always make the seller take care of those. And a lot right. of times it is, but a lot of times now um, they do different bonds and yep. and things like that, that they yeah. can't do that. Well, and if you think of, think about it, honestly, if you're, you've lived there for 30 years, you've already paid for the street in front of you. And now they're putting a new street in with a new sewer and, and you're actually the new buyer is going to appreciate and get to enjoy that. It's only fair. I mean, right. in my opinion, but now yeah. that's, that's negotiable. So everybody that's on the other side of that says, well, you know, boy, I, I wouldn't have bought this house if I would have known there was an assessment coming for the streets. I could have picked a different property and, and yes, you could have, but then you'd also be in a, another potential uh, improvement area because, you know, you probably are buying a property that doesn't have the streets improved because there wasn't the, asses- you know what I mean? So, and eventually every neighborhood has to be redone. I'll well, tell I, you what, people can sorry. come, sorry about that, but I was just going to say that people can feel very confident in buying all of my rental properties because I've been assessed on every single street there is. <laughs> and you paid in, all those. In, Yeah, and I've paid every Chris, one of them. Chris, those are so, nuisance charges that the city's hitting you with, not just. Nuisance oh, yeah. charges. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you We're go. We're being difficult. They, they hit you actually. That happens. That yeah. happens. Yeah, we see those sometimes. So you're going to say something before I really Well, I was going to say, like, the standard rule normally when you see a bank-owned property or a government-owned property, they're stating that whoever the assessment is going to receive the benefit and enjoyment of pays it. So mm-hmm. if it was work that was already done before, let's say, the foreclosure or that the, the bank took that over, they're assuming that. Yeah. So where it. would we find where if there's assessments or not typically uh, through? Well, a lot of times it would be, um, you know, new street, new lights, watersheds. And we get that through like the that. city, yes. right? So the information. Could call so on that if too. it's pending, which means they've had a couple of different uh, meetings at the city and they've gotten bids and, and, and project time dates and they haven't really voted on it or they voted on it and they're not going to do the work till next summer. And then the buyer is going to be on the receiving of that end of that. That's negotiable. Mm-hmm. Might want to be something they talk about. Maybe after the break, Danny will hit on um, some of the things that uh, when that's happened to them, because you typically you get a letter. Yep. And it, when you get that letter, there's a lot of things that need to happen. Yep. All right. Tell you what, let's uh, take that break right now. We'll have more of the real estate show coming up right after this brief uh, break. So stay with us here on 830-WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of the real estate show here on 830-WCCO. And if you've just joined us, uh, Chris and Andy in studio, uh, why don't you remind our listeners who uh, yeah, who's our Colville special with, guest? Yeah, Cindy Colville with Title Smarts also with us. Uh, and we're going to actually have uh, Travis Christensen and Russell Hillier in with Bayakwee Home Loans. Uh, the next segment, kind of talk about some more things, uh, condo associations mm-hmm. and uh, appraisals that uh, we run into issues with as well. So um, before the break, we were talking about um, assessments mm-hmm. and that little letter that sometimes sellers get. On our listing of contracts, it states in our listing contract that if they get anything, they have to give it to us as the agent so we can be able to tell them. But there's times in which, and I had one uh, just last year that happened, that uh, two days before closing, they got the letter. Yeah, you know, and the it's notice like, of a hearing. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, you. I mean, at that point, it's kind of like, do I ditch the letter? Yeah. <laughs> Which you can't do. 
um, or do I be able to give it to the buyer? And you know, we obviously gave it to them, and they understood that it wasn't going to probably happen for about a year and a half, but that that road, once it came in, they're going to have to get assessed on that. Well, and then we have to just make renegotiate that, basically get the buyer to a sign stating that, that they received notice of yep. that from the seller before closing yep. so they can't come back later. Totally. Hmm. I mean, real, real important. But I've had people in the past where this came up years after closing or six or eight months after closing yeah. and the seller's oh, yeah. like, I never received anything. So I went online to the city's website because some cities have that. And I could see that that seller was in the minutes asking questions oh, about no. the assessment. <laughs> and then we ended up having to go back and be Absolutely. like, Hey, well, you have so, to. but yeah. as a title company, we protected that buyer. And then we dealt with the legal issues with the seller. Yeah. Hmm. And that's really what, I mean, title insurance yeah. is, yeah. you know, but there, there's other things. So let's just say that uh, we had a hailstorm. Um, I collected money for that roof, and I never fixed the roof. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they found out that, hey, you had a hail roof, and, you know, they never did it. Title insurance doesn't cover things like that. Well, it depends. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> because as a seller, if, if I'm insuring the title and as a seller, you've given me a sworn affidavit stating that there's been no work done or any materials delivered to the property that haven't been paid for. So I rely upon that answer, yeah. but I still protect the buyer against any mechanics liens. So, that, so it does, it would protect them in that case. They got the money from the insurance company, but they just never replaced it, never did nothing with it. You mean as far as disclosing to the buyer that they put a new roof on? That they had, that yeah. they got money for a new roof and that it was a bad roof. I mean, you can't. No, we can't protect that. Right. But it's not a matter of title. That's why. Right. But yeah, if it, you know, if they did do it totally. and they didn't get paid. Totally. You know, another thing that people um, talk about, I think is confusing, is estate sales. Hmm. You know, and that's estate sales when the owner has passed mm-hmm. and there's a personal representative dealing with that. Do we, How about with title? Does anything happen on your end that's different than what, you know, uh, I mean, we hear estate sales. Oh, my gosh, something must be weird. Yeah, I mean. Traditionally, if everything's done correctly, as far as a probate, things go very smoothly. Uh, But there are some cases where if they don't provide us with the will and some items to look at ahead of time, that all of a sudden at the last minute we could be running around getting quick claim deeds from heirs. So it's really important that we know right away that the person's deceased. Because sometimes people sign the purchase agreement and say, like, that they're signing it as power of attorney. Well, no. If the person is is not alive, it's not a power of attorney. It's a personal representative. Yeah, and so true. we have right. different steps that we have to take for that. But um, it's tricky, especially when you have kids and, and uh, family members who are fighting over an estate. You want to make sure that we're looking through everything and we're handling that and making sure some somebody doesn't come back 10 years later and go, right. hey, that was my grandpa's house, and how come nobody called me? I think there's also the, the illusion that, you know, if we do it this way, we cannot pay taxes. You know, there's always oh. that – Everybody's trying to avoid paying the old Uncle Sam. And, and I tell you what, it comes down to where you're better off just taking your medicine up front and getting it done and, and over with. Because the way it works is if you get caught, if you do it the wrong way, is is hugely, you know, uh, a burden and, and legal fees. And, you know. Well, it's after the fact, too, and you yeah. have no leverage. You know, you can always not sell it. Right. You know, but if you sell it. Now you're at the mercy of whatever they're coming back after you for. Right. Well, and, and one of the number one questions that I get all the time, like every month, somebody mm-hmm. calling me going, hey, you know, my my grandma's getting really old, and we just want to deed the property to my sister right. and handle it. And I'll right away launch into the fact that 
you know, you, you can't just do that without getting some kind of good legal advice or estate advice because mm-hmm. there could be tax repercussions for that. There could be mm-hmm. legal repercussions. I mean, it's and that's exactly what we're talking tax. about. Or they yeah. don't they they don't think that the, the you know the younger sibling or whatever can qualify, so they they want to gift it to them. And they're doing it the wrong way. They're just quickly deeding it, and they're not realizing that the taxes that could, like you said, could be due. Um, that that's a big deal. And I think that there's a lot of people that we we all get it. Nobody wants to pay what they don't have to pay. But when you're being gifted something, remember the word gift. It's a gift to you. You you you've received. You've inherited that, and you you owe your fair share. I mean, it's like just pay it and get it over with and move on. Because you know, people that fight over a couple thousand dollars, you know, and I get it. I wouldn't leave a couple thousand bucks laying on a park bench either. But I mean. <laughs> When you're fighting over a couple thousand dollars, just under your car seats, change. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he has nice change. (laughs) Hey, speaking of what clear title? Yeah, I mean, we hear that that hey, you gotta you gotta have clear title. What does what does that mean? Well, it's title that you can transfer to the buyer that is free of any other liens on the property. So, if you're buying a property and you're getting a mortgage, you should be the title holder, and your mortgage should be the only lien on the property, Mm -hmm. and then any taxes that you're owing on it for the property. So when we're doing a title transfer, we're doing a search and we're making sure that there wasn't any gaps or any loans that weren't satisfied, which means released and the right. release actually recorded at the county or any old judgments against the seller that weren't resolved, things that could have showed up that were not disclosed. So you're, hence the name warranty deed. I mean, that's what when mm-hmm. the purchase agreement, they ask for something that's been warrantied that we've looked at, scrubbed up and handed to them that we basically guaranteed it's clean. Right. But they're warranting title that they know that they have. Right. So if something happened from two warranty deeds ago, they can't mm-hmm. really warrant that. So they need that title. You know, so the that, title insurance, when we do a search, sometimes we're doing it all the way back to the patent, mm-hmm. which is from when it was granted from the government. Jeez. Well, and that's, and that's why cool. when you're a buyer, too, you want to make sure that your title company dives in on that because exactly what you just said, they're, you're warranting what you, you know, or wherever what you have, not necessarily what you don't know is not there. So, you know, these other title companies may become aware that, oh, somebody missed a signature back the last time this property was sold. Or, yeah. or it was a new closer at the title company at that mm-hmm. time, and she didn't get the documents that were required to show authority for the estate. I know that sounds familiar, but, you know, you can't just go, well, I'm the only kid, so right. I'm signing the deed. You have to right. actually have a court well, order that says that. And we've had these situations. This, you know, one of our clients, it was a, oh, I bought this from my buddy, and uh, we just did all the the paperwork in an attorney's office, and you know, it worked out great. And they realized there's three unsatisfied mortgages against the property that basically said, oh, well, they're all paid off, but they couldn't satisfy them. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a legal battle. So I'm telling you, pay the professionals around you for what they get paid for because it's worth every penny. I mean, it going into these huge transactions and trying to, again, you're, you're picking up pennies and dollars are blown out of your pocket. And you know what I always say about that? Hashtag no <laughs> kitchen table closings. That's right. <laughs> I'm over here and Andy's looking at me and all I'm doing is kind of like, Trying not to laugh, are, but it's just—he's not. It's was nothing's funny. I'm just laughing at him. Is Every it time my camel? I look at him, is it my I orange look and away. camel that bothers you? Yeah, exactly. Did he take a breath? Because I can see him sitting up in that tree, that fake tree that yeah. he's up and trying to shoot a deer right now. But, no, I, I camera. camera. Oh, shooting. camera! Oh, I'm out there to observe. Shooting. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyways, uh, you know, Andy kind of touched on a little about the maybe fraud. You know, mm. um, obviously that happens in the title world. But that's that's why we have title insurance to be able to protect against it. But there's there's title insurance that just typically covers the lien against the property. So the loan, there's another thing that covers the owner. Yeah, so the owner's title insurance is protecting the title's fee ownership to the property, which means their ownership. 
So if they're going to go to sell the property, they're guaranteed that there's not going to be an issue doing that. And so when it comes to closing, mm-hmm. you know, when they turn around and sell it in 15 years, if they have an owner's title policy, we know we're good. Right. You know what I mean? Because more than like that insurance policy is going to be able to cover any problems that occurred previously. Right. Not if they created a problem. Right. Yeah. So if they did something to lean the title after they bought it, that's not covered. Right. can't lean exactly. your own property. All right, it's time for a break, but we'll have more show to come here on 830-WCCU. This is The Real Estate Show. Stay with us. We'll come right back after this break. And welcome back to The Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCU. In case you're uh, joining us a little bit late, uh, Chris, who did you bring with you today? Yeah, Travis Christensen, Christensen sorry, and uh, Russell Hillier with Bay Equity Home Loans are here kind of to navigate us through some of those issues that we find, uh, not only from obviously from the title part, but uh, and you guys obviously deal with the title part pretty um, significantly mm-hmm. as well. Daily. I mean, you guys all need that. That needs to go with the underwriter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but one of the things was I was going to talk about was townhomes and associations, uh, condos, uh, and there's a thing called a CIC. A lot of people don't even know what that is. Can you maybe explain that, and then maybe some of the issues that we kind of find. Yep. Yeah, uh, CIC it, it comes up uh, whenever you're purchasing a condo or a townhome. Uh, what we run into first, uh, sometimes on issues on the back end with title work is we'll actually get what what looks to be a townhome, has all the characteristics of a townhome, but has a CIC number. And what, what that essentially means is common interest community property. Now, this could be something as simple as a pool, as a playground. Uh, what gets a little so bit more. Something com- we're sharing. Yep, something it's we're sharing. Com- with- it's a common interest that we all have in that property. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, we try to do our due diligence up front and find out if it actually is a condo or if it's just simply a townhome with a common interest community uh, tendencies. Okay. Um, now, if it is a condo, what we run into is you have to ensure if you're doing FHA financing, <clears throat> which probably about 75% of home buyers are, are utilizing that financing, that that condo unit development is actually FHA approved, which more often than not, they're not. And so that's something... So how do you find out about that, Russell? How do you get if it's well, FHA approved? There is a you can go to HUD.gov for the condo approvals, and you can look up the the name of the association, and it will list on there whether or not it's approved, um, if they have filed for approval, and as of late, a lot of condos associations have just stopped doing it. And they used to do what, what are called spot approvals. So if you weren't approved, you can get it approved, but they stopped doing that as well. So it's really important to do your due diligence up front, especially if you're doing FHA financing and you're not sure whether that's a condo or a townhome, because that can definitely affect the type of appraisal you you order. And once again, if it's not approved, then you're gonna you can run into issues there as well. Right. And that and that changes. I mean, it might be because a, a lot of times when realtors will list a you know uh, a condo in a, you know, in a place that other ones have, they look at the other listings and they say, yeah, it's FHA approved, FHA approved, but that can change. I mean, if their reserves go down or if they don't uh, file with FHA, uh, we've had that happen before. Well, that's a, that's another big good point as well for the simple fact is if it is a condo, then you have to get what's called a condo questionnaire filled out. And that's what's going to tell you how many units and, and what they're insured for and what the makeup is of all the different units and the type of financing that, that they all have. And they have to meet certain requirements in order to uh, to move forward on it. So 
that's another real good point and something to look out for up front. Yeah, and Travis, one of the things is it's what they don't want is too many rental properties. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, because then from the lender standpoint, that's not as good as risk for you. Yep. Yeah, and there is certain requirements whether you're doing conventional financing or uh, Fannie Mae finance or uh, or FHA financing. And so, um, you know, for example, we run into it quite often when someone's actually buying a true condo. Um, we get a condo questionnaire back, and sometimes there is either. Uh, let's say maybe a pending lawsuit against the association that can um, cause issues with financing um, or just like you had said, the amount of units that are being rented out in that, in that development. Yeah. We found that too with, uh, when you're talking about pending lawsuits, Um, I mean, that totally screws up the financing Mm -hmm. and from a realtor, realtor standpoint, you know, we have to find alternatives and how we can do that. Sometimes it's rent to own. Sometimes it's contract for deeds until they can be able to get that financing. But otherwise, those sellers are pretty uh, not in very good shape. And that's the the tough part about it is the majority of the times, unless you're actually on the board for the association, you probably don't know if your association let your FHA approval go, which ultimately can eliminate 70 to 80 percent of your potential buyers for your property. Um, Or, you know, be it you don't know if there's a pending lawsuit. Maybe there's 200 units in this development and there was some storm damage, one we just ran into. And all of the the roofs are being replaced. Well, there was something noticed that the builder, um, basically the association was suing the builder of these townhomes. Mm-hmm. The pending lawsuit that that puts a complete freeze <clears throat> on all financing totally. for these properties. Russell, when it comes to like reserves with the association, I mean, there's there's a certain amount that has to be in there for. I mean, obviously for FHA approval, but it's really important yes. from a lender perspective. Correct. Um, I'm actually dealing with one of those right now and going back and forth with. The uh, the association, as well as the association's attorneys, and sometimes it, it, it can get very cumbersome because you're dealing with somebody that's on the association board in their spare time, and it might not be their their main focus, and it's, there, it's on the back. back I think part. they're going to go to a ball game instead of do that little questionnaire for you? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and it, you know, turnaround time on those questionnaires can, can you know, Put you in a specific spot if you're under a time crunch, it, just for the simple fact is it's not there for their top priority all, all the time. So yeah, that's Russell Hillier with Bay Equity Home Loans and Travis Christensen as well. We run into appraisals as well uh, that um, come up and that we don't get the value that we're looking for. What's the process that happens from your guys' standpoint? What you're trying to do? Obviously, we got to try to get that back up, mm-hmm. but on FHA, there's a little clause in there too. That that appraisal sticks with that property for it does. a while. Yep, and that's uh, you know a lot of even listing agents or sellers don't realize this. If you have a buyer come in, they're utilizing FHA financing, and let's say the uh, sales price is two hundred thousand, and the appraisal only comes in at one ninety, <clears throat> and you uh, decide not to take that offer, that FHA appraisal is now connected to that property for I believe one hundred and twenty days uh, through FHA, and so any potential buyers that you have coming in. Uh, are now going to have to use that appraisal for one hundred ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, which obviously a seller's not too happy about that. And we've had situations like that, and it's kind of like, okay, you either wait, or you got to try to get some conventional financing. But uh, so, how do you fight an appraisal? Um, well, you know, generally speaking, the the first rule of thumb is uh, the the first option is to do what's called a rebuttal. Uh, now, with all of the, with how aggressive this market is right now. Uh, for selling a property and purchasing a property, we commonly run into where the purchase price started at XYZ and maybe it moved up, you know, 
by five or ten thousand dollars, and the appraiser just possibly just missed that one page amendment to the purchase agreement or addendum, uh, changing the purchase price or raising it. And so, quite simply, first off, we're going to check and see if it was an error on his on his or her part, uh, or second off, we're going to go back to the listing agent and ask for additional comparables so that we can submit in for rebuttal. And Russell, how often do we get them changed? Not very often. Really? Um, I can probably count on one hand how many times I have gotten a, a reversal on a price, on an appraisal, you know, over the last 20 years. It's, you know, you know a lot of times you're kind of, you're stepping on their pride, you know. Yeah. When well, they're under a lot of scrutiny now, too. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they, they really are, and they have to... Uh, Really told the line after you know '08, right? Um, so it's it's very rare that you that you see the rebuttals come come through. Okay, yeah, that's a and it is unfortunate because I mean what happens is that seller then goes back in the market and typically you've been off the market for a number of days, maybe weeks. It could even be a month by the time the appraisal comes back, and you got to remarket it, you know. But and, and on the buyer side, I mean you got to start all over again as well. You know, you've made credit report. You've paid for the appraisal. I mean, you've it's a it's it's an unfortunate thing. So, um, but it does protect it protects the lender and it ultimately protects the consumer as well. So, we got a break. Yes, it's time for a break, but we have more show to come. So stay with us. We'll be back with more of the real estate show here on eight three zero WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of The Real Estate Show here on 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy uh, in studio. And again, uh, for folks that may be joining us a little bit late on this final uh, segment of this particular hour, uh, Cindy's still with us? Yeah. I see, yeah. Her, yeah, I see her over there. Okay. We, got rid of, we got rid of Travis and Russell, but uh, Cindy's finishing up with us, which is... Well, and for uh, legal reasons, you guys know we're being filmed today too, don't you? Well, I was just going to say, you know, everyone says we got a great face for radio, but we are on film today. We have Alec uh, Bircher here with Bircher Films actually uh, doing a quick little in-studio uh, film for us. We're going to post it on our Facebook page later. So if you guys want to see the behind the scenes, what actually happens, to see if I'm really wearing orange today uh, in camo or not. And, uh, you know, Chris is wearing no a bikini, so, so check us out. A bikini? Is that what you said? <laughs> You're, you're supposed to play with me, man. Oh, this, is, oh, okay. this is role playing. Come well, they on. can see the film, <laughs> right? <Joe. laughs> Anyways, um, you know, another big thing that we've been having is, um, you know, internet, you know, hacking and, and scams yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You were saying in, during the break that you had a little in- instance that happened. Very yeah. interesting. And it's actually the first time it has happened to us. And But I've been going to all these classes. Even just last week, I was in a class um, at the American Land Title Association with two FBI agents. Hmm. And um, so I've been preparing in case this ever happens. So what happened was is the hacker, which we always say the hacker is like a guy in a sweatshirt with you can't see his face with a hoodie up. <laughs> so this person uh, started, you know, must have infiltrated their email account and started posing as one of our title smart people and got them to wire $125,000 of their money to an account at a different bank in the United States. So luckily mm. that morning we caught it right away. Wow. When the person came in, we're like, hey, when did you send your wire? And they're like, 9.30 this morning. So I jumped on it right away with my operations team. And we immediately grabbed all the information, which we have a protocol for that now, and we uploaded it to the FBI. And wow. we called both banks that were involved. And the FBI locally and here in Minnesota, he was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He right away, uh, you know, 
drafted up the paperwork, went down to the county, got um, a warrant, served it on the bank that it was wired to, and we froze those funds. And now we're just oh, waiting for- So it for, actually did, did get you, to the other bank? It went to the other bank. And then, but they froze it before he they could froze get it. it. And now we're, what we're waiting oh, wow. for is them, because it's a quite a big bank, to mm-hmm. get through the red tape, and they're going to be sending it back to the state of Minnesota. And then my buyer will be able to go in and get their money. Did they catch them? Well, we're working on that. It's big. They, and, it, the, <clears throat> well, and the funny thing, too, Cindy is the customer- dis- discuss this stuff. She's part of the FBI now. <laughs> I, it, it, was, it was like almost- uh, you know, I was like, there is no way we're losing this person's money. We are making sure that they get it, and we are protecting them, and we were all over it. It's all we worked on on Friday. <laughs> so, That's great. so, so what happened? Obviously, the closing didn't go through. No, and it it's on money. hold right now, yeah. but everybody's very understanding. Luckily, it's a non owner occupied, you know, investor mm-hmm. transaction where mm-hmm. the investor you would think maybe would be a little bit more savvy with that type of situation, but they sent the wire to an individual person. With instead of to but it goes the in, title oh, wow. company, but so think you about can it. see how the human error factor uh, really goes into. Yeah, it. but you don't really know. Think about you know. how deep that person had to get in their email to do that, to see that, to identify that, to come up with a scam. That, that's crazy. Cra- it's yeah, crazy what they people copy do. your signature yeah. line and they paste mm-hmm. it into a fake email. But once you were like, I always say, use the hover trick. Mm-hmm. If you take your mouse and hover over like the to, the sent, and the from, and the return, it will have a different email than. The one that you were right. communicating oh, with. Oh, sure. And you know, what's interesting is Denny's awful quiet over this whole thing. I can't comment. <laughs> you know he doesn't know how to run a computer? Come on. Scary. He's doing pretty good, it looks like to me. <laughs> I, yeah, he actually I have a hoodie. <laughs> hey, we're, we're still doing open houses. We're still open for business. I'm not. You, yes, you are. I'm deer hunting, and, and we go to prasky.com to be I able will. to find you. Yeah, and your team. You got a you got a huge team that yeah. you guys work. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of hardworking uh, people, guys, gals on the team that are out there every weekend working hard, and we like to do open houses. A lot of people do the research online. We're finding this, you know, to be the the case, and where a lot of people are like, open houses don't work. You know, that's it, it, it's just the opposite right now. Yeah. And they're they're going online, they do their research, and they don't want to be bugged, so they're coming to the open houses as a first step in the you process. Got it. Like totally. I said, that that's what that's what we're here for. You know, helping people in the very beginning stages of buying houses and and you know getting the opportunities in front of them so they can make decisions that are right for them. I'm gonna make comments to people out yeah. there that are going to open houses too, and don't you don't have to be afraid of the realtors as well. You know, right. there's agency laws and stuff that they need to follow. But mm-hmm. if you have an agent or you're thinking about using an agent, just tell them. Just say, you know, I'm here, but I don't want an agent because some agents will stalk you and walk around the house and, mm-hmm. and try to get you as a buyer. Sure. But uh, you just be upfront, and people understand. Well, and no if you problem. do have representation, though, procuring costs is a very important part of that. So that if you do have, make sure that if you're entering that house and they say register, <clears throat> and it says real estate agent, you need to register your real estate agent on there just so that your real estate agent gets paid for all their time, because that's that's a key thing there. And then they can represent you because that agent could go through the whole process, get to closing, and then they say you weren't procuring cause, and all of a sudden they don't get paid, and that's a big mess. And procuring cause is the person whoever that salesperson was, mm-hmm. that was the reason that you ended up purchasing that property. Right. That doesn't mean they just showed it to them. Maybe they came to an open house after you the told fact. Them about it and, whatever, yeah. and, and that agent that's in the open house is, hey, selling them on everything, and that's the reason that they decided to do it. That's procuring cause. Mm-hmm. So even if you're signed up with someone, you that might not be the case. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's best to that's just be advice. upfront. And some people just you know don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. you know. And if you give them your number, just say, don't call me. So Right. Yeah. Yep. We have about a minute to go. Uh, any final thoughts and emails and things like that? 
Yeah, well, dear. Yeah, you can go to my chrisrooney.com. Cindy, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can uh, email me at cindy at title-smart.com or our website is title-smart.com. Yeah, and prasky.com for myself. Yeah. And you you have many offices around the metro area? Yeah, six offices surrounding the metro area. Yeah, and then they also go to actually offices, been to my office many times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to close uh, transactions. So, awesome. All right. Go Thank hunt. You. Yes. Thank you all, and uh, we hope you join us again uh, next week with more of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.